So we're going to dive in. So Maddie McGuire, we're so excited to have you on the Dilly Dally podcast. And thanks so much for taking time out of your schedule to share your journey of paving your way in the creative field and becoming an incredible VO artist. And we'd love to learn more about that. I feel like that's a niche that obviously we hear voices in movies and commercials, but a lot of us really don't know about it. So we're excited to have you on and share your story and more about the world of VO. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Anne. And it's so funny. I was like thinking about that a lot too, because I get asked all the time. Because people, it's, it is weird. It is kind of niche where when people um, are like, okay, so what do you do? And I'm like, I, I do VO mainly for TV commercials and radio. And they're like, oh my gosh, what what is that? What does that look like? How'd you get into that? And I'm like, it's so not a sexy story. <laughs> like, it was, like this super cool story, but yeah, like wherever you want to start. I, well, I let's hear it. Well, let's dive on into the beginning and say, how did your creative journey start? Where did you, like, what was that? I don't know. What was like that moment where you knew you were going to be a creative and then how did it evolve into the world of VO? Great question. Yeah. So I was super shy as a kid. I had insane social anxiety. Horrible. Wow. If my mom RSVP'd me to a classmate's bat mitzvah or birthday party, I would have a meltdown. Like I would be sobbing. Really? Yes. It was. You'd have no idea. Yeah. Horrible, Anne. Horrible. Yeah. Now it like got (laughs) from acting, but yeah, I loved storytelling. Even from a young age, I would pretend like I was in my favorite TV shows acting Mm. out. Like I was a character in the TV shows or I was a big reader. Still, I'm a big reader. I would um, be reading the books out loud and acting out all the different characters. So I, I loved storytelling. So when I was 10, went to my first acting class, sobbed through all of it. But I was like, there oh. still, I was committed. I was like, I want to be here. I was just so nervous to be. Oh, I'm, I think it's nervous for anyone to take their first acting class or go yeah. to like theater camp. But for someone who says they're shy as a child, that has to be beyond intimidating. So intimidating, but I, I ended up loving it. Like I, my mom put me in improv classes. She was always trying mm. to like push me, not thinking I was going to become an actor, but thinking that, okay, at least I'll get some more self-confidence. I'll get some more self-esteem. And I mm-hmm. just absolutely loved it. So I started working in the Chicago market way back in the day when, before they had like TV and film there, the way they do now, it was mainly commercials and commercial print. I um, ended up not, I didn't go to normal high school. I did not homeschooling. It's called like independent study for acting. Uh, wow. So acting. So I was. So acting of, took off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was like super dedicated. Like I said, completely obsessed. My poor parents. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was, I like forced them into really taking this seriously. And so we went back and forth to LA a little bit while I was in high school. And then I moved, obviously when I graduated high school, I was getting my college degree online and moved to LA. So I was acting, I was writing, I was starting to dabble in like producing. I had a independent production company with my friend Corinne called Red Mouse, which we would do like web series short films, music videos, a lot of actors reels. And so that's why I love what you're doing too. I'm like, any creative thing I think is just so cool Uh, to expand. So then voiceover, I was with a new manager. This is a million years ago because I think I've been in voiceover for seven or eight years. Oh my gosh. At this point, which is crazy because it still feels new and fresh because every day Mm -hmm. is different. So I'm like- And probably every role is different and and like just the world of film and TV and commercials is changing so much. So I'm sure it's always staying fresh. 
always staying fresh. And then COVID obviously changed the industry yeah. tremendously oh. too. But yeah, I started doing voiceover. I was signed with this new agent or this new manager and he was trying to build out my team of agents. So I was, he was getting me meetings with commercial agents, getting me meetings with, with theatrical agents, literary agents. And he's, I like your voice. Have you ever thought about doing voiceover? And I had, I've heard that a couple of times before that point. And I looked and the classes were so expensive because they're like, oh, to do your reel. And I was like, I'm taking acting classes. I'm doing, like, I don't want to do another class. So yeah. I always kicked the can down the road and he got me a meeting with still my agent, been my agent the whole time, Vince at DPN, who's from Chicago. So oh my gosh. You know, he's in Chicago, Chicago. So we, I met with Vince at DPN and he's also, he looks like Ken. He looks like a Ken. <laughs> like in shape and like blonde so hair. LA. And like very good so I so LA. And so I was also nervous. I'm like, you're yeah. Yeah. I was like, normally yeah. it's like not that. So I was like super nervous because I had no idea what to expect. And yeah, we talked and he threw me in the booth. They had the way the office used to be before COVID. They had this super cool office where they had four booths where you would we used to go in to do our auditions at DPN. Wow. So you'd get a call randomly and be like come into the office in Beverly Hills. We have 10 scripts to read. So it's, I met a ton of friends that way. Mm. So he threw me in the booth with three different scripts, recorded them. And he's like, yeah, I'll take a listen and let you know. And at first he was on the fence. He was like, I saw the email that he wrote my manager. He's like, yeah, she's green. Obviously, like I had no idea what I was doing. And he's like, but you know what? She's got like a really cool tone to her voice. And I know from her acting experience, I think she could pick this up quickly. We'll hip pocket her for mm. six months and see how it goes we'll take okay. her on won't sign her officially and like at the end of the six months we'll make a decision interesting yeah and man i was horrible at first horrible i i was so bad because even though i was acting for so long mm -hmm. it was different and there was a different technical side to it that i wasn't used to and uh... agents like dpn's a huge speaking of my agents calling me right now which is ha. hilarious he's having a new gig for you line up yeah. I'm like, I'll call him back later. So funny as we're like talking about him. I'll, he'll think this is hilarious. And I'm like, I called you Ken. <laughs> yeah. to I love it. Um, hey, it's a compliment. It is. And his wife looks like Barbie. They're so cute together. And she's like blonde and beautiful. And so they're like totally Ken and Barbie. I was so bad. I was really bad. I was super intimidated. The agency, they have the woman who voiced Tommy Pickles on Rugrats. It's like standing oh, next to you yes. auditioning for stuff too. So that is. And you walk in and I didn't, you like walk in, you'd all sit in the lobby together and the owner of the company, Jeff, he would come and look at you and be like, hello. And he'd go back and find what scripts he thought would fit your age range. And then he just, okay, you go to Kim's booth. And I'm like, who's Kim? What do I even, what am I doing here? Um, it's a whole new world. You, whole new world. And you'd go in and you'd read them. They'd give you some adjustments. And then you would like wait to see if you booked the job. And I would walk like, cause they had shitty parking in Beverly Hills. And I would walk like two or three blocks to my uh, car and I would just cry because uh, uh, I was so uncomfortable. And it'd be like every day they'd be like, okay, drop everything in your schedule, come to audition. And finally, one day, one of the booth directors, Kim, before I was leaving, she's like, don't open the door yet. We need to talk. And I was like, like what is happening? this? What does it mean? I was so scared. And she was like, you have everything that it takes, but she's like you, the way you're doing this right now, you won't be able to compete at this company. So I'm going to give you some tips and I think you could do it, but you need to level up to compete here. And so she sat with me for 
30 minutes. Like I, the line out the door to, for people afterwards was so long by the time I got out and it broke down. Here's what promo wow. means. Here's what radio means. Here's what the difference is between TV. So and why a- do you think that she like took that chance to say, I'm going to be like your guardian angel and I'm going to ignite that spark within you. And I'm going to put you on the best track forward. That is such an yeah. opportunity it's, right there. Such a rare opportunity. Super rare opportunity. And you know what? It's funny. I've never wondered why. Like I've never stopped. I've thanked her so many times because she still works at DPN. So now she actually works in the accounting department. So I still talk to her all the time, but I thanked her at one of the last Christmas parties that I went to and was just like that. So essentially right after that happened, I I booked my first job within a week and I never stopped working essentially so it was it's just like she's almost like that like physical spark a lot of times people say that spark might come from like a feeling or like an interaction but sometimes yeah. that spark might be more i don't want to say the word physical but like an actual person that you meet who gives you advice versus driving down sunset and be like oh that's what i should be doing but they're yeah. like an angel in the form of coming in to help you and like put you on the right path and say i'm gonna get you from a to b to z like yeah and they I mean, believe in you angel. Yeah. I was like, that's exactly what it felt like in that moment. Cause I remember walking out and I felt like at peace where I was like, you know what they, I felt like I had a lifeline. I was like, thank God. Like someone Mm -hmm. finally just broke down. What the hell's going on here? Gave gave me that validation to be like, you can do this, but you have to change X, Y, and Z. I'm giving you the tools that you need to like take them. And I Mm -hmm. got your back. If you have questions, come back. And I remember walking back to my car and it was like the first time I wasn't crying, (laughs) walking to my car. You're like, Hey, I have this coach who's giving me these tidbits and now I'm going to start booking deals left and right. Yeah. My whole mindset shifted. My entire mindset just completely Mm. shifted after that point. And I, I, then I started using like the walk to the studio to get in that mindset, just like Mm. mentally prep myself and remind myself of those tools. And yeah, it was like hilarious. Like I booked my first job and then I kid you not. And it was like, that's why Vince and I became so close because he took the chance on me. And this was probably my first two, three months um, there. And I like, it was like every single week he'd be calling me. So we started talking like every single day between different sessions, different things coming into audition. I obviously saw him all the time because we used to go in person. And yeah, I got like a whole new community of people there to know him. Like we, we could bullshit for hours. I, <laughs> Am I, allowed to swear? I just realized yes, I'm like, you can I'm- swear totally. Olivia asked the same question. I'm like, we're from Chicago. We yeah. can do it. I just like, just doing it. I was like, oh my God, I didn't even ask Anne. But yeah, so she was that guardian angel and was totally that physical spark that like mm-hmm. completely changed the whole dynamic, the whole energy, the whole energy. Shifted. And like, like you said, that mindset, like when you have the mindset of whether it's abundance or I can do this or positive energy or, and everyone's talking about lucky girl syndrome, you can honestly take on any challenge that comes your way and with so much more of a competitive edge than if you're like down in the dumps or if you're feeling negative or feeling sluggish, that mindset can be the one thing to push you ahead of whoever's competing against you, whether it's a person in the booth, whether it's another business, anything, another person on the field playing soccer, it's mindset is the root of so much. It, everything. No, I, I don't know if you know this, Anne, actually. In COVID, when we were all locked down, I got my life coaching certification, which a lot of it is like rooted in mindset, obviously. Wow, so I'm like, I didn't know that. Yeah. 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 It was like something I did. And it's funny because I did it when I moved to Virginia, just because I was like, I have no friends here. I was, I, I still obviously talked to Olivia and a lot of people I'm mm-hmm. friends with, but it was just, 
I was like, I've never been, I've never been to Virginia before mm-hmm. <laughs> we moved here. I'm missing your community and the community is so ah. much. It's like the people that it's your support system. Absolutely. So you're people. I wanted something, something else that gave me consistency in my schedule mm-hmm. too. So they, we had class every Sunday. We had um, a group, like we got put in peer groups. And so I just wanted something that I not only had to show up for, would meet new people that were all in the same. We were all like, had the same goal in mind. Mm-hmm. So maybe we're like-minded and yeah. And I still like some of my friends, I met one of them in person for the first time last year, but we've been friends for three or four years now. <laughs> and you met them through like a, a life coach, like a certification class. Yeah. And that's how you bonded. Wow. That's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm all, I'm so with you on the mindset thing and not to get like too into it, but yeah, like, I don't know if you've watched, there's a new documentary called Stuts on no. Netflix with Jonah Hill and he's interviewing his therapist. It's really I've cool. heard about it. Okay. That is on my list. I didn't know the name yeah. of it, but I remember like hearing about Jonah Hill and his therapist and the dynamic and how people really respond to it. It's super cool. You should definitely watch it. It's like awesome. And obviously they're talking a lot about mindset, tools for mindset, things like mm-hmm. that. And yeah, Especially like, in the world got... of acting too. It's because you're getting into the mindset of someone who is not your own. So when yeah. you take that on, it's a better performance. So Absolutely. how would you do that with like VO? Because with VO, it's purely the voice and that's the element of the character versus acting. There's so much that goes into it because you have the outfit, you have the makeup, like how you style your hair, like your face is on camera. But with VO, it's purely the pitch and the tone and the voice. So like, how do you get into that character's head? Like speaking of mindset. Yeah. And and what's funny about that too, actually, is I think because I had acted for so long. I loved when I got to go into DPN and go and get direction. They would help you. They'd be like, okay, who is this girl? Like for this target voiceover. And they would help you create the character essentially. Who are you talking to? What is the setting of a scene as as if you were acting it, but you are just using your voice. Mm -hmm. And that was something I really struggled with when COVID happened and everything went at home. We do all of our auditions at home. So now, now, not only am I the voiceover artist, but I'm like my own engineer and I'm yes. my own editor. It's, I was doing yeah. all the pieces. And that was the, one of the hardest things that I had was like recreating my process, my audition process or my work process of finding the creativity in it again, finding the Getting fun. it from like a, a technical side to it too. Do you yeah. think that change in the process helped you in any way? Did it bring like a positive outcome in the end or is it still something that you're wishing for the pre-COVID times? I wish for, for so long. I was like, when it goes back to normal, when it goes back to normal. And I'm like, my, my agent pretty much, I had like another physical spark moment where he's okay. Cause I had a major slump. Like, um, I'm very grateful that voiceover, I never, I've never made money the way that I have in voiceover. I think it's like the most lucrative part of the entertainment uh-huh. industry, because like you mentioned acting, the makeup, the hair, like everything that goes into getting on set and being, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot that goes into you I mean, you could be on set for 12, 15, 16 hours for two lines, which has mm. happened to me before. Whoa. And you make still very nice money, especially if it's a SAG production, but so much more work, so much more time where VO, how they do it is essentially like when I walk into a booth and let's say I have four scripts, they pay me like those are all separate jobs. Oh, interesting. Even if I'm doing them in 30 minutes. So I could be working for 30 minutes and they're paying me as if I did four separate days of work. 
So you're paid, is it, you're not paid per hour, but more per project. So is it more performance driven? Yeah. More per pro okay. project. And then they always have a two hour mark. Like you don't usually ever oh. work past those two hours unless, or they usually pay you an extra fee past those two hours, but it's mainly per project. Mm -hmm. So like lucrative wise, but amount of time, once you're working, you are making insane money because That's you're making obviously the session fees and that they play it, you're making residuals, ah, whether it be radio, yes. TV, or digital. They usually do like a mm -hmm. buyout for digitals. Found I, that I, sweet I, spot. And now you can oh record it from anywhere, right? Technically. And so now I finally, like last year, I had this come to Jesus moment because it was almost like my first year in VO and I'd never made money like that. I was always used to like having those acting jobs when I had them. And then mm -hmm. nannying, I was nannying for a family for four years. So it was great money for what you're doing, but I had other like side hustles, other things that I was always doing to support myself. And then when I started doing voiceover. I was like, Oh, I don't have to mm. nanny anymore. Like I've never mm. been in that position and you can I focus. Really, yeah. And if anything, it was like, I was at the point where my boss, I was working for um, a showrunner. She had a show on MTV at the time. So she was gone 13 hours a day, 16 hours a day. There's me and another nanny who was like the day nanny. And I was like the night nanny. And if anything, it started impacting me where I was like working so much during the day, either doing VO auditions and VO and then working at nights. Like I was working so yeah. much at night for her. And I was like, I don't have a life. <laughs> I was like, and I it's like, you need to sleep. You need to recharge. You need to have fun. And, but it's like, when you can focus on one thing, then your mind shifts, like it shifts, mindset yeah. shifts. And then you can like, just put all of your energy into one point in your career, which in this case is the VO. Was like when I finally quit my nannying job and I was like, okay, it was like every single year, my revenue was like doubling. So from year one Whoa. to year two, it was like double. Year two to year three was double. It was snaps crazy. for Maddie. That's incredible. It was so awesome. And that's why I like Olivia's always, you're not ever embarrassed to talk about money. And I was like, no, because I think that, and I've taken a lot of money classes to understand like, how my, what's my retirement account? Like all that stuff that like, we have no idea. Like my parents tried, but they did a horrible job <laughs> in trying to like teach me anything, like a savings and budgeting and all that stuff. I was finally at a point where I like, I needed to understand understand mm -hmm. all of that. And I'll be so transparent. And like when COVID happened, I had such a hard time adjusting. Like 2020 was okay. 2021 mm. was fine. 2022 was the most challenging year of my life with voiceover. And it gets uh, good because then 2023 this year has been the best voiceover year I've ever had. It was so hard. I was the first time I didn't qualify for my health insurance sad because I didn't make enough money to qualify, mm, wow. which was like a huge wake up call. Yeah. I, I know how difficult it is to even qualify. And I was super stressed about it last year. Obviously that was my biggest source of income. And then all of a sudden mm -hmm. it was not completely gone, but like completely gone. Mm -hmm. And I was talking to my mom, I was back home in Chicago and I was just so stuck. I just felt like I could not get out of my head. Like my mindset was just so shitty. When I walked into the booth, I already felt defeated. I felt confused. I felt stifled. And I felt like what I was trying to do in my head was not translating. Mm. It wasn't working. And so between talking to my mom and talking to Vince, my agent, who's fantastic, my mom was like, yeah, like she listened to my, some of my auditions and she was like, 
I agree. Like you're missing the mark. Like it's like, there's things that sound good, but like you, something is not there. Was your heart and your soul not into it because you feel that maybe your stress or the anxiety about the audition or money mindset, what's to come, how like healthcare, all this stuff. Do you think that was weighing on you and distracting Definitely. you from giving your optimal performance? Yeah, I think definitely that had a huge factor. And the thing with it before, when we're going into the booth, going into DPN or whether it was an audition around LA, you're getting direct feedback. Like you're getting kind of mm -hmm. right away. Someone's telling you do change this, or this is great or whatever. And in a lot of it, you are getting a lot of validation a lot of the time and voiceover is very fast. So mm -hmm. even more so than acting, it's sometimes you have 10, 20 auditions a week, sometimes not as much, but it's so many times at bat. And it's so many times you're either being told yes or being told no. And then with how it changed in COVID, you, it was almost like silence. Oh. I was like, you're almost it's... just scared. Like, no, I'm not booking. And I'm like, why? And silence like, can be it, very uncomfortable for many people. It can be uncomfortable. It's deafening. It could be the mm -hmm. loudest thing sometimes. And I was like, I was so just confused on what to even improve. And then I, I think like, you were trying to psych yourself up going into the booth and it would be within two, three takes. I was just, the mindset, I was like my own worst enemy. I was like having just such a hard time. I called Vince and he's like, look, Maddie, he's like, everybody has a slump. It's not about when it's going to happen. It will happen. You're going through one right now. It's mm -hmm. a matter of like how fast you could get yourself out of it. That's mm -hmm. the only thing you could do. And so he suggested that I go to a coach. It was this woman named Carol, Carol Casting. And I did it virtually because she's in California. She was the person who booked me on my first campaign back in like 2015 or 2016 and, or maybe even earlier. And she was coaching and she started the, the session. She's like, so just be super upfront. How's it going? I'm like, it sucks. <laughs> I was like, it is horrible. Yeah. I was like, I'm spending so much time doing these auditions. I have no idea what I, I feel like. I literally don't know what I'm doing. I feel like for as professional of the jobs that I've worked on, I'm like, I feel clueless. Mm. And so she helped me rebuild my process. She helped uh, me. And she, she said, she brought up the validation thing. She's oh my God, we got, yeah. we, and voiceover typically have so much validation because we're walking in and we're the last piece of the puzzle. Mm -hmm. So typically like the filming of the commercial, the right, everything's done. And then we're like that last final piece. And so typically by the time people are coming to us, usually I feel like everyone's in a good mood because they're like, woo, like we're almost like about to ship like, this and come in, in, finalize it. Yeah. Yeah. And, it's, and there's not that much because no one gives a shit about what you look like. I work with these producers now. I work with them every week. No, we don't know. They might, I guess if they've Googled me or I didn't Google them yet, maybe I should. I have no idea. I don't know anything. So that that piece taken out of it, I think there's a lot of freedom in that and not you allow yourself to like that inner talent it can rise again because your mindset is not controlling you or blocking you to yeah. keep from that genuine feeling that charisma that energy to come to life and to to get it recorded yeah absolutely and, and think about how many times too i know you work in such visual mediums with mm -hmm. what you guys do at Dilly and I, there's so much that goes into every little piece. And mm -hmm. I obviously with acting, I, I love that part of it too. It's so fun. And I love in voiceover, not having that. And that's the cool part is mm -hmm. they, you can't lose a job because your hair is a certain color or because you're five, six and they need the guys five, six that they're casting. That's mm -hmm. completely removed 
from any of the decision-making factors and you booking a job. And so Carol helped me exactly what we were talking about, like recreate that process, bring back the creativity. We went through all different types of, because a lot of VO too, I do a lot of, it's working for clients, working for brands. And it's trying to understand like the difference between Target versus Walmart, because there is a difference mm -hmm. in how there they is. present themselves and their marketing. And I know you work and again, you work so heavily with brands and that and kind like of that stuff. brand voice too. It's, and for, in this instance, your brand voice is what you're speaking and what's being recorded. But a lot of times with advertising, the brand voice can be something visual as well, or the feeling yeah. you get when you watch a commercial or that excitement to, to click or to buy something, whether it's like on TikTok or Instagram, but that brand voice you, so now you are the brand voice. So, and that, and that's exactly it. She tried to, instead of it, like that pressure of what that could mean, mm. be like, okay, who is this girl? Mm. Who is the girl at Enterprise? Who is the girl? Mm. If it's Toyota, they had, I can't remember the name of the car. I, I didn't book the job, but they have a new like luxury car for Toyota. Uh, and that's different than when you're doing the Corolla yeah. or the Camry, mm -hmm. like who is that girl? And she literally like, would be like, okay. I, uh, yes. And so for instance, that one, she's close your eyes picture you are on set or this is real life. What are you wearing? And mm -hmm. she's like, okay, it's this sleek red silk dress. And it's, you're at this red carpet event and we created mm -hmm. as if it was a script that we were acting in who this character is, who is this girl? And then how, why is she saying this message? Like what's, and so it was so fun. It was the first time, like I had fun with and you felt excited again. again and you were energized by it. So you took yeah. mindset to get into the mindset of the character to mm -hmm. tap into that brand voice and to get out of that slump. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And it, it completely changed. The second I met with Carol and I called Vince and I was like, thank you so much for suggesting Carol. I was like, it was fantastic. And he's mm -hmm. break down how these sessions um, work. It's broke it down and and my mom was right. She told me like three months before, she's like, go to a coach, go have someone help. And I was like, and that, that was like, it's so funny because I've gone to a million and a half acting coaches, writing mm -hmm. coaches. I've invested so heavily in myself and I don't know why I had such a roadblock with it with voiceover. And I think it's because I think it was like my ego and my pride mm -hmm. that was like, but I've been paid so well to do this. I've done so well. Oh God. It felt like a step backwards yeah. as opposed to something that was such a helpful tool. And I always say with like, I feel like within being an actor, I feel like I have a toolbox and it's always like any class you go to, any experience you have, it's like you're just giving another tool in your toolbox. So anytime mm -hmm. you're working on a new character, it's what tool do I need? And now I have that mindset with voiceover where with Carol, it was like, here's how we're going to build the toolbox and whatever it is that you're going into, think about it. Be like, what tool do I need to grab for this Toyota or whatever? And mm -hmm. kid you not, and she was another, I'm thinking, I love how you said like that physical spark. I'm going to remember that. That was such a cool thing that you said. She was another physical spark in like my voiceover journey where right after I worked with her, I got an offer only role for Fallout 76, the video Amazing. game. And so I, they just gave me a wow. role, so that was super cool. And then I booked the brand voice for Comcast Expanding. Whoa, that's huge. But yeah, yes. it was and within weeks. I kid you not, and it was like a couple of weeks later. Similarly, it changed. Like, um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you took that toolbox it. and it's like you can, with a toolbox and with more specialized tools, then you can be more precise. You can get some done faster and the same thing yeah. with a VO artist. It's you're diversifying your skill set to be able to tap into these different mindsets. 
100%. And it's funny, obviously with the coaching, like one, I had so much fun with Carol and I, I kicked myself afterwards. I was like, why was I? And I, I always try to be like, why? Like, where did that come from? Where was like that thing, that roadblock that was capping me from like making that decision or taking mm -hmm. that action when I was like, damn, it was like exactly what I needed. And I'm so happy I eventually did it. Cause yeah, like now I booked that job at the end of January and I'm still working with them. I work with them. They have me on, I've never had it. That's the craziest thing too. And I think my partner, Jake, we debated like me not doing it anymore um, because it was so shitty last year. And it's still I don't so give up. Yeah. Mm. And I said, I was like, I just, I was like, I, there was that hole in me where I still enjoyed it enough and I'd seen the good side of it and yeah. I didn't want to. And so we, when we were making our yearly budget, we were like, okay, you know what goal will be try to make health insurance, but he's let's just, if you could make a thousand dollars a month in VO, mm -hmm. that would be great. That would be awesome. And I was like, that would be great. That's the goal. And then, yeah. And then that job's amazing. So I work, they have a standing hold with me every day at noon. That's wow. probably what Vince is telling me about uh -huh. tomorrow or something like that, where I've never uh -huh. had that before, even on other campaigns where I worked a lot. I've never had that close like of that. a relationship mm -hmm. with producers. But you notice and you said, it's just a slump. It's not the end. And yeah. also what we consider to be, whether you want to call it a slump, a negative time, not an optimal time, however you want to label it. Truly those things happen to people because they need to go through that like burn, that transformation to get them to the next level. Otherwise you're just going to plateau. So if someone's saying everything's always great and it's even keel, I generally think the artists and the entrepreneurs that have to go through the slump, because if you go down, then you can jump up higher. It's more of a gift to have a slump than a uh, plateau, in my opinion. I completely agree with you, Anne, and I think that's something that's interesting too because we all we know this. It's so crappy when you're in them, but we learn so much more. Mm -hmm. That's where we build our resiliency. We we learn what we need, like you said, to get to that next level. It's typical mm -hmm. where we start taking more action because we're not comfortable. So we're like, mm -hmm. okay, what do I have to do to get out of this? So we end up like taking right. more action, which usually leads to different results because we're trying different things. I totally am with you. And it's you like, learn to like, embrace the discomfort. If you're always comfortable, you're never going to change, you're never going to grow. But when you are forced to embrace that discomfort, that is yeah. the power you need to go to the next level. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I, I always like say to my dad, like he he's in sales. He's like uh, worked for the same company for a long time in sales. Mm -hmm. And when I was doing my life coaching thing, he had me come in and do like a mindset talk to them, which again, I was like, oh, this is cool. It's like combining acting and writing yeah. and all this. And it was so fun. And that was part of it was like, if you really want to be productive, get uncomfortable because mm -hmm. that is where like you, you find new tools, new ways, take new action. Like the uncomfortability drives. Yeah. So much yes. productivity. Seek <laughs> discomfort and drive will follow. That is some genuinely amazing advice that everyone should take with them. Yeah. As we wind down this podcast, Maddie, I feel like we already, we usually say, if you talk to your 18 year old self, what would they say? But it sounds like your 18 year old self, or maybe a little bit younger would have been really shocked that you took your shy nature and you transformed it into such a lucrative career, being outgoing yeah. and diving into this whole new character that you do every single day. So instead, maybe we'll leave with what advice do you have for someone who is trying to get into the world of VO, who's trying to go out on their own, who's trying to get into acting, maybe it's any job within, quote, Hollywood, media, film, TV, 
Yeah. And that, that almost brought me to tears too. And I just have to say, cause I think we forget sometimes to reflect back on how far we've come. And so mm-hmm. I, even just you saying that, I just appreciate you even bringing that up. Cause I'm like thinking back to 18 year old me and I'm like, damn, like she would be so stoked. She would be like, Maddie <laughs> is a superstar. Yeah. And just, I'm just like proud of myself. I'm really proud of myself. And I think I don't tell myself that enough. And I think that's something like I um, work with a lot of people in my coaching business that people who are interested in getting involved in the industry. And Mm -hmm. I I think that you really have to separate the business and the craft. Like they, Uh they're, they have to be married in the middle and you have to have a nice balance, but you have, I think that for me, what's helped is looking at them very differently, looking at the at two different entities. When I'm helping the clients that I work with for my coaching build goals, we separate them like a craft goal, a career goal, and like one for their purpose, mm, personal confidence smart. mindset goal. Cause I think a lot of people, what ends up happening is they start acting or VO or something because they love it. They're like, Oh my God, this is so freaking fun. I love this. And I just want to do more of it. I can't even believe I'm thinking about this being a career. That is so freaking cool. And then they want to start doing it as a career. And I feel like they get so focused then on the business Mm -hmm. side of like Mm -hmm. my branding, my castability. Like I need to find representation. If I don't have representation, I'm nothing. And I feel like there's like a period in that like two to five year mark sometimes the people get stuck in where it's so business focused like, and they get out of lose it that love of the craft that love mm-hmm. of like storytelling and so mm-hmm. i would tell anybody to like separate that have goals for your craft because we work in an industry that's subjective like i said it's like mm-hmm. you lose out on a roll because of like your hair color mm-hmm. <laughs> so, it's true no, but there's so much out of your control. Like those are things that you always have in your control and it's protecting your craft, protecting like that. Why that like flicker inside of you, that mm-hmm. is always going to be the thing, whether it's like the best day at work or the hardest day at work that like is there to keep you going. And craft is, we never stop learning never. as artists. And so with craft, mm-hmm. I get so pissed off when I have like younger actors come in and they're like, I've taken so many classes and I'm like, I could bought a house with like how much I've invested in like the classes that I've taken. And I would never, but you're investing in yourself and you're continuing to grow and you're saying, I can get better. I can move through this. Or if there is a slump or if you're saying I'm at the top of my career, no, I can keep going up. There's not a, there's no ceiling. And why would you want that? There's no ceiling. It's a hyper-competitive industry, right? So it's Mm -hmm. just the facts. Like what we hear more no's than we hear yeses. It's very competitive. There's so much out of your control. There's new talent coming to town every single day. You got to be as offensive as you are defensive. Totally. And those people are like, I've arrived. They're like bright eyed and like bushy tails. Bring their new energy with them. And you're like, oh, even though maybe you've been on a decade, you're having a role, but you never know when someone new is going to come in. But like you said, if you're dedicated to your craft, that is when your authentic self will shine through. 100%. So have that dedication to your craft. That is something like as actors, we, the more life experience we have, like you were even bringing up earlier, Mm -hmm. creating Mm -hmm. characters, we're playing people. So the more, Mm -hmm. I also think, so besides have craft goals, always be learning something, even if you can't afford to be in a class, there's so many podcasts, there's so many things that you could Mm -hmm. do now online to just start and have yourself be involved. I think another couple like little tidbits is I would say get into therapy or some sort of mental health, something mm-hmm. to support yourself because it, it there's a lot, it's a lot, it's fun, but there, it's like a wild chaotic industry. And so I yes. think that have something for you to like constantly keep understanding yourself, 
learning mm-hmm. about yourself, protecting your mindset, strengthening that muscle. And I think community is really big. I, I There's so many actors now. I think COVID allowed so many actors in other states and cities. And I was listening to Olivia's yeah. podcast and about being in LA and the differences of people starting a career elsewhere. So I think the cool mm-hmm. part is you can start a career Chester, New York, or mm-hmm. other places like it there, you have more accessibility than ever before. You're obviously competing with everybody. Like it almost opened up the entire country okay. where you're competing against people, not just in your city, but everywhere. Mm-hmm. I, a lot of people don't have the community the way I think like you and I do in LA, like where mm-hmm. we were surrounded by other artists and creatives. So it's like mm-hmm. anyone we know, even if it's not the same thing, we could support each other and have those conversations. And that's one thing that I feel like is missing a lot that I'm constantly mm-hmm. telling people like, let's try to figure out how we can build up your community of creatives around you. Cause I just think and it's so yeah. important. Community is so important because you work together and you learn from other people. And especially when you are surrounded by artists and entrepreneurs who have very less traditional career trajectories than other people, you can feel that like constant motivation of this is how they afford their healthcare, or this is how they set aside money for their 401k so they can mm-hmm. retire one day. It's so different than a traditional corporate role. But if you're around people that have these, I don't know, then there's different schedules people have. Sometimes Saturdays are actually busier than Mondays and people's nights are busier than their mornings. But you're around good people that support you and help you continue to keep up that drive and internal motivation and build you up. And you can learn from them and feel supported as much as you support them. Absolutely. Is everything. It's so cool you're doing this. And I like, and I'm, I was so happy. I was like, oh my gosh, I haven't talked yeah. to you in a while. So we get to connect. And I like, know. It's it so good to see your face and see yeah, you again. So it's so been so long. And have, again, that just like creative conversations, no matter what it's about, I think. It fills me up. Like I feel, I was like so tired today because it's been such a busy week. And then now I'm like, I'm going to go for a walk after yeah. this. I got to see and we got to, so yeah, like this is. So cool. So cool. Amazing. Thank so you, Maddie. Cool. Thanks for coming on the Dilly Dally pod. And where can everyone find you? Like website, social oh, media. You. Yes. I'm horrible with social media. I like, like other people's shit and love watching it. I'm so bad at posting, but I do have my coaching company. I have a website. It was called the performer's parent. So at performer's mm. parent, that's my website and my Instagram. I don't, sometimes I'll be like, have it all planned out and it's great for a month. And then on mm. next month, it's I'm a like, lot of work. A lot of work. That's a lot of work. But yeah, that's somewhere. It's funny. I initially got into it, was just trying to work with parents of performers. And then now I really just work with artists. And so I've been debating changing the name so many times, but they're like, no, I feel like you are my parent. Like you are guiding me as a parent. So you're like a performer's parent. So that's where people could find you. You're the physical spark for other people who need to (laughs) get out of that slump, just like people helped you. You're their physical spark. Yeah. Thanks, mm-hmm. Nancy. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. And yeah, performer's parent, at performer's parent. And if someone, I think I have my voiceover reel on my website. I think I do. So if people were curious to check it out, they could hear it there. Cause it, it's very, it's different. It sounds like me, but not like me. So some people are like, that's you. And I'm like, uh, yeah, that's <laughs> you in the mindset. Thank you, Maddie. Thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule and sharing your amazing story and such unique path in the world of VO. And hopefully you have a rest of, have a good rest of your day. And thanks so much. Absolutely. You too, Anne, of course. Bye.